Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the Illini Choir Podcast. Jeremy Werner here, and I, I got to be honest with you. I, I've been looking to make this podcast something different or go a different route with it. I, I love the post-game content we give, and I've, I've had such a great reaction to it. Uh, but we kind of started this off kind of as a weekly thing, but then the post-game stuff has really taken on. But I, I'd love to give a little bit more content, and I got to be honest with you, I've been fiddling around um, with my setup at home. I, I do my radio show mostly from home. Home, but I was trying to figure out how uh, to do a podcast from home so that I can sound great quality. And you, you've probably heard me fiddling with it because the sound quality has been up and down a little bit. Um, but I think I figured it out. I kind of taught myself, watched some YouTube videos. And uh, I did one a couple weeks ago with Brad Evans just on an update on Bracketology just to try it out. And it wasn't quite perfect, but I figured it out. And I, I'm hoping that we can do a lot more long form uh, discussions with people. I, I don't know exactly who and, and how many people I'll be able to get or how often it'll go, but I at least know now I have the capability of doing that. So I'm looking forward to that because some of my favorite podcasts are with people in the sports media industry or, or former players or uh, coaches, things like that. So it's something I'd really like to do. Uh, I get to do it a little bit with radio, but if I can do, you know, 40 minute interviews with people or hour long interviews with people who are really interesting and uh, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm hoping to sprinkle some of that in. Can't promise you the frequency of it, but we got one this week. And I told you I did a kind of a, a trial interview with Brad Evans. It was good and I could have run it, but the quality just wasn't quite up to my par. So I reached out to Brad again, and for everyone that knows, Brad Evans has been one of the top Yahoo fantasy writers, one of the top fantasy writers, I should say. Um, he's been really involved in sports betting, and he's been one of the more accurate bracketologists in the business for a long time. Um, yet somehow, Yahoo Sports decided to walk away. Uh, he's a free agent right now. Brad spent 14 years at Yahoo Sports. And for those people who don't know, Brad was a Champaign native, went to Centennial High School and, and taught in the Champaign-Urbana area, but then got into this industry in a weird kind of unconventional way. And uh, Brad just, as people who know, follow him on Twitter at Noisy Huevos, knows Brad has got such passion, he's got such energy, and he's such a presence. And uh, on Twitter, he's fun too. He likes to dig into himself and everything. But uh, I've gotten to know Brad pretty well over the last decade or so uh, in a fantasy football league with Brad. Martin O'Donnell is in that league as well. But uh, he's just a good dude. And I, I wanted to catch up with him because, one, I could talk about bracketology and where Illinois stands heading into the final week of the year. We recorded this on Tuesday, March 3rd. So 
right before the Big Ten gets going, right before Rutgers, Maryland game, uh, and before Illinois goes to Ohio State and hosts Iowa. So we break that down, best case scenario, worst case scenario with Brad Evans. But I also, the second half of this interview, we get into his career and uh, just how he became one of the top fantasy uh, experts in the country and how he's turned into a multimedia, I'll call him a star, uh, how he started the bracketology thing and, and got it to where he had his own bracketology show with one of his favorite Illini, Stephen Bardo, and where he's going now because he's a free agent, which he hasn't been in, in a very long time, and where the media industry is right now. So if you like that stuff, I think it's a fun, interesting story regardless. Uh, but if you're you're into the media side of things, want to know a little bit more out of it, Brad uh, gives some great insight into that as well. And, and we talk about how the media industry has changed, what kids or young people who want to get in this industry, what they need to do to be successful in it. Um, so I had a fun conversation with Brad Evans, uh, and hopefully we can do a little bit more of these coming up. But here's my conversation with Brad Evans, fantasy, bracketologist, sports betting expert, and huge Illini fan. Well, Brad Evans joining us now here on the Illini Inquirer podcast. And uh, Brad Evans still doing a bunch of work, man. Bracketology all over the place. And uh, how long have you been doing this now, Brad? I, I imagine you as, you know, you're watching Lucas Johnson trying to figure out where Illinois is going to be. <laughs> how, how far back does this go? It doesn't go quite all the way back to, like, the Rennie Clemens era of Illini basketball fame. But, uh, no, I've been doing this for 15 years. So, you know, I started on the talentedmissarudo.com. That uh, was an upstart a website back in the day run by the now very famous Matthew Berry from ESPN. It was uh, primarily a fantasy site, and I always had an obsession living and growing up a champagne with college basketball and the NCAA tournament. So I was just like, screw it. Let's uh, do something exciting and really attack the big dance uh, by writing team capsules and kind of, you know, previewing the slate overall and getting people the information they need, strengths, weaknesses. I was always inspired by that pull-out section uh, from USA Today as a kid. Uh, as a student at Centennial High School, I would go to the Bigfoot at the corner of John and Mattis, yeah. walk in, I don't know, plunk down whatever it was, 50 cents is going to date me quite a bit, buy an actual tangible, you know, inked paper, and then pull out that pull-out section and just read through every single team capsule the overall outlook, learning about the, the geography of the team, the student body. It was always my favorite. And I even used it as a teacher. When I was a teacher at the Ready Program in Champaign, I would have students do projects around uh, a sign, and they would just pick them randomly out of a hat, 18, talk about famous alumni, talk about diversity within that school, uh, talking about the history of the school, all kinds of different stuff. Geography was kind of a, you know, a cross-curriculum project they would have them build uh, through a deck that they would share with the class and do a presentation. So that's how deep it goes with me in the NC tournament. I was screwing up impressionable young minds <laughs> in shampoo Urbana back in the day with my musings on college basketball. Were you the cool teacher? I was. Uh, I was not cool. No. <laughs> uh, I was. I, look. I was fair with my students because with alternative kids, or really with any student body, particularly high school age kids, if you give an inch, they'll take a mile. Mm -hmm. So you have to draw a very distinct line in the sand. And you go up there, you tow it a little bit. But, you know, I, I would state specific rules. I would run my classroom a very certain way. So it got them engaged in a certain rhythm 
every single day that pattern. So they knew what to expect. You know, I wouldn't veer too far away from that baseline. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I would have fun with my kids. I wasn't, like, breaking out rulers and slapping kids on the knuckles or anything like that. But, you know, we, we would have very open-minded conversations. And, you know, I was somebody that I liked to lecture, but I also was somebody that really wanted to engage in hearing what they had to say, particularly about modern events that were unfolding around them. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, Brad, I want to get into your unconventional career as we talk about you in the sports media now after being a teacher, all of that. Uh, and I know you're kind of at an unconventional fork in the road at that. I want to get into that. We will. But let's give the people what they want, which is bracketology, right? And, and for the yeah. first time in, in six years, we're talking about Illinois in 20-9, uh, and 12-6 in the Big Ten, 36 in the net as we record this on Tuesday afternoon. What's the worst possible scenario now for, for Illinois and the NCAA tournament possibilities? Yeah, I mean, look at the rest of the season schedule. It's obviously daunting with a pair of matchups against Quadrant 1 opponents, but I also look at it as an opportunity. I think Brad Underwood looks at it as a, a very distinct opportunity. Going on the road to face Ohio State, and, you know, by the, the metric of the Big Ten, Illinois, they've been road warriors this year, you know, winning some huge games at Penn State. Uh, you know, winning at Michigan, winning at Purdue, which is no Walker Park, at Wisconsin. I mean, those road victories are going to hold massive weight in the selection committee room when they are scrubbing and vetting the NC tournament field. Now, Jeremy, I will say this before I answer your question. Mm-hmm. Listen to me, Illinois fans. You follow me on Twitter at Noisy Huevos. Many of you already do. Many of you throw your vitriol at me on a routine, regular basis. I welcome it. I feed the little troll steaks all the time. Sometimes they even you know, serve it up with a side of A1 sauce. But understand this, okay? Conference record doesn't mean jack squat when it comes to the selection process. If you look at the team sheets that scroll across computer screens inside the selection committee room, there is no mention, there is no listing of conference record at all. It has everything to do with your power metrics and certain com- you know, computer algorithms and where you're standing there, your quadrant one, quadrant two, quadrant three, quadrant four wins and losses your overall strength is schedule. These are all a part of the nitty-gritty that comprises this process. Conference record is meaningless. Let that soak in. Okay, now to answer your question, worst-case scenario, let's say they lose at Ohio State. They lose at home to Iowa. You finish, uh, you know, 20-11. and 11. It's really 19-11 because the Lindenwood game doesn't even count uh, since they're not Division One in terms of the overall resume. And then they go out and, you know, lay an egg in their opening matchup of the Big Ten tournament. You're probably looking at Illinois on that 8-9 line. And you may say to yourself, oh, God, that's terrible. You don't want to be there. This year, who cares? There's parity. Reign supreme. I I would say this. Kansas is the best team. They are the prohibitive favorite. Pound for pound, they do have elite characteristics. Are they beatable? Yes. But are they damn good? Absolutely. Um, you know, I think Dayton's really good, but, you know, they haven't exactly been in a proving ground at the A-10 this year. There are only two losses, though, overtime in Maui to Kansas, overtime on a neutral floor against Colorado, who's uh, projected right now to be in that 6-7 seed line. Um, you know, Baylor is beatable. Uh, Texas Tech, you know, gave them all that they could handle in the most recent matchup in Waco. Uh, and then Gonzaga, I think, is going to be that third number one seed. The fourth could be Dayton. That's where I have him right now. It could be San Diego State. It could be Florida State. Hell, Kentucky's still in that conversation. But this is not like you're, you're running into a 2005 version of Illinois, right, as a one seed in that next round of 32. So don't view that as a death knell. You know, view it as, again, much like the Ohio State and Iowa games upcoming, 
an opportunity for Illinois to prove itself at a national level. So what is the best-case scenario? Because as you mentioned, Brad, two quad one opportunities with Ohio State on the road, Iowa at home, and possibly, what, three quad one opportunities in the, in the yeah. Big Ten tournament. Um, what is the best-case scenario here? Yeah, let's say they get to exactly what you mentioned. You, you beat the Buckeyes, you beat the Hawkeyes. Uh, so you get up to seven quadrant one wins, assuming all the rankings hold steady, and they also qualify as two ones because it's a fluid situation. It, it has no bearing on where that team is ranked in the net at the moment you played them. It has everything to do when the dust settles. Yeah. Let's say Illinois wins those two games. They run the table uh, in Indy in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, where does that put them? I think a four seed's within reach yeah. at that juncture. I really do. And look, there's so many variables at play, uh, you know, with other teams ahead of them, how they, you know, perform in their respective conference tournaments for the rest of the regular season. You know, if, if a bunch of dominoes fall ahead of Illinois, could they even sneak in as the last number three seed? Uh, odds are long, but I would say it's not impossible. It, it's crazy. It's crazy how much uh, the, the Big Ten is up for grabs here, even going into the last week. Have you ever seen a, a conference quite like this, Brad? I remember when the ACC swelled, and I think it included uh, Bermuda, the Dominican Republic, uh, some of the you know Lesser Antilly Islands as well. <laughs> it was like what, like an eighteen or twenty team league a few years ago. That was a league that I, I'd never seen the depth and scope of strengths of any conference ever constructed during my lifetime in college basketball. I think the Big Ten is not nearly as good as that league. Uh, if it's top three all time, yeah, I think you can make that argument. But is it the greatest league, most competitive league of all time that I've seen in the forty near forty two years of existence on this planet? No, I would give it to the ACC again. That was like uh, seven eight years ago. But uh, the Big Ten certainly rough and rugged, ridiculously competitive game in and game out. Uh, I actually was watching with great delight. Northwestern and Nebraska duke it out in overtime the other day. <laughs> it's just, it's, there are no terrible teams. There are a couple of bad teams, but there are no terrible teams in this league. I mean, hell, Nebraska pushed Maryland to the limit yeah. in College Park earlier this season. So you just never know, night in, night out, what you're going to get. And that's why it's you know, been one of the most engaging, enthralling, entertaining leagues in college basketball this year i know it's a lot based on matchups of who you pick brad and who we pick but in a vacuum uh which big 10 team will you pick farthest yeah matchups mean everything and you know this is my philosophy and how i conduct selection sunday um usually i'm in a television studio this year i don't know where the hell i'm gonna be i may be crawled up in a corner you know sipping tequila uh while i'm watching the which isn't a bad thing uh watching the selection sunday show but when the pairings come out, I immediately print it off, and I do a gut bracket because I'm scouting all of these teams. I've been writing scouting reports about all of them. I have watched hundreds of hours of college basketball since November. It's probably why my fantasy uh, football franchise is tanked late in the season because I was too focused on, like, the Maui Invitational and some of those holiday tournaments around Thanksgiving uh, and other games in December. But uh, And then I, you know, I let the, the dust settle, and I let it things kind of just simmer. And then I do more of a brain or analytical bracket kind of breaking down the matchups on a uh, predictive basis with some of the numbers out there in Kimpom, you know, Sagarin, uh, the Massey scale, whatever it is, uh, to just kind of, you know, peel back the layers of the onion and really understand the strengths and weaknesses of these teams and how they match up on a one-on-one basis with another team. 
so usually that's my philosophy when it goes into things. Um, but matchups mean everything. I think Michigan State is a lacrim lacrim the Big Ten. This is a team that is living up to all the expectations right now. Shocking. Uh, it's a ride of spring, like the birds chirping, the snow melting, the grass greening, and Michigan State peaking at the right time, yeah. right? I mean, these are Izzo coach teams. They always play their best basketball as they enter the postseason. Do they have vulnerabilities? Yes, the Spartans most certainly do. Turnovers being the most prominent uh, weakness of this team, but it is executing on both ends of the floor in the pure dominance that Michigan State displayed at Maryland in front of just a rowdy crowd there. Scott Van Pelt's uh, ball dome glistening under the lights there at, at uh, Verizon. Uh, it was just an amazing performance, and I think it was, you know, a forecast of great things to come from Michigan State. They are 22 to one according to some sports books to cut down the nets. I think that is an extraordinary value. So right now, Michigan State, which had projected as a four seed, I think is the best shot if it continues to play this well in the Big Ten tournament uh, to cut down the nets in Atlanta. Obviously, again, Brad, it comes down to, to matchups, but what do you think of this Illinois team in a tournament setting, and, and what should Illinois fans be rooting for when it comes to matchups? Yeah, I mean, Illinois defends their tails off, and you know the brilliant move by Brad Underwood to shift away from the Press Virginia style that he had adhered to you know, from his tutelage uh, uh, exhibited by one Huggy Bear, Bob Huggins at West Virginia, and, and you know, following that style of play and then you know, shifting gears to more of a, a, a loose pack line defense. That really unlocked his team's potential defensively. And when you have a rim protector in Kofi Coburn, um, you know, who everybody's just downright afraid to drive in on, you know, they see him and they turn around and run the other way. That's a huge advantage for Illinois. Um, but they also defend well along the perimeter. They can pack it in inside the arc. And, again, that's the luxury of having a Kofi Coburn. That is something that will keep Illinois competitive in any matchup in any game. They're not going to get blown out, I think, again. If they're going to lose, it's going to be in the waning moments of a contest. The biggest key for Illinois right now, because, look, they've had dry spells offensively been frustrating at times uh, with the bricks that this team has laid, but seeing a guy like Alan Griffin raise his level of performance here down the stretch, he's one of those X factors. Andres Felice, we know that he's one of the best, you know, penetrators in the Big Ten, Uh, and he's just so scrappy and getting some of those tough rebounds and extending plays as well, but his three-point shot has suddenly become more accurate. Trent Frazier, you get him going, he can score in bunches from outside. That's the key to Illinois is how it executes along the perimeter. And it's been one of the worst three-point shooting teams this season, uh, shooting 29.5% in conference. And not actually been that great inside the arc either. Dead last in the Big Ten, a two-point percentage offense at 45.4. But I think it's the three ball. That's the great equalizer in college basketball. And if that triumvirate can execute at a high level, knowing Illinois' defense, and Kofi Coburn's presence, scrapping, getting a lot of second-chance opportunities, man, they're going to be a tough out. Brad, I, I think Illinois fans, obviously, we're recording this before Rutgers uh, hosts Maryland, but I think a lot of Illinois fans are rooting for Rutgers, obviously, so that Illinois has a chance to share the Big Ten title. But I think most of us are just rooting for Rutgers not to blow this thing. Um, are they one <laughs> win? Do they just need one win no matter what it's against in the Big Ten tournament or down the stretch here? Yeah, I mean, clearly the Maryland game, I think, would solidify the ground that they're standing on right now. Rutgers, as it currently stands on my bracket, Brad, uh, big board, 
a lot to say. Uh, strong alliteration there by yours truly. Uh, they are one of my last four teams in. So they would be in Dayton as of the taping of this podcast. You beat Maryland. I think it springboards you out of Dayton and probably sadly on the 11 line. The biggest eyesore to them is just a road record. You know, what are they, 1-8, and 1-9 away from the rack? You have one opportunity left, which would be a quad one win because uh, Purdue has been a metrics darling, you know, by every computer measurement out there. So if they could go into Mackey and, and knock them off, uh, even if it were to lose against Maryland, uh, I think they would still be in. But they need that key true road win to double that number from one to two. And then at that juncture, they would probably have to win a game. I would feel better about Rutgers if they won two games because then you're looking at probably you know four to six quadrant one victories. At that point, it's going to be tough to keep them out looking at some of these other bubble teams like a Rhode Island, like a Richmond, both in the A-10, like an NC State. The NC State's got a handful of quarter road wins, but they've got some really bad losses. It's just for Rutgers, it's that hideous road record. And, you know, winning that game at Mackey would pay instant dividends. And then, of course, stealing a couple on a neutral floor as well, the Big Ten tournament, would propel this team into the at-large field and probably keep them there as well. Uh, if you don't, follow Brad on Twitter, at Noisy Huevos. And, Brad, I am sick of getting tweets from Illini fans about Joe Lenardi's bracket. And, <laughs> like, he's the only bracket that, that matters. Uh, you've been doing this for a long time, and you've been pretty dang accurate. And uh, people can find your bracket there. But you also have a newsletter, right? I can actually sign up for your newsletter right now? Yeah, well, not yet. Okay, you can't sign it's up coming. for quite yet. I, I am going to blast out to the masses again on Twitter, at Noisy Huevos. Uh, I am in the midst of constructing 68 scouting reports. So every stupid team in this godforsaken tournament, I am going to have an opinion on. Uh, now, I will you know, express it this and qualify it as this. Uh, I am not going to go into deep detail about the NCA&Ts of the world or the Prairie View A&Ms from the mighty SWAC because uh, I haven't seen them play. I don't jack squat other than what the numbers tell me. So those will probably be one-liners from like the 13 seed on down, but the 12 seeds all the way up. Uh, some of those USA Today team capsules I mentioned, you know, back in the yesteryear, there's going to be strengths, there's going to be weaknesses, going to be a player to watch, and an overall outlook for each and every single one of these. It's a labor of love, but I love the people that follow me and are, interact with me on Twitter, and I'm going to give it away for free, for free, through a newsletter. And all I have to do is uh, sign up once I blast out the link submit your email, and you can read the thousands. That's already about 10,000 words. Thousands of words about each and every one of the NCAA tournament participants, and hopefully my uh, dissections will get you that uh, key W and score you a few binges in the pockets in your office pool this year. He's a man of the people, Brad Evans. Can we talk about the career, Brad? Sure. All right, we'll talk with Brad Evans about what happened with Yahoo and what is next on the horizon for him and his career? Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, let's start at the beginning before we, we talk about where you're going now. But you talked about being a teacher in Champaign. How did you end up in the sports media, man? Yeah, it's, it's really just kind of a wild and wacky story. And, you know, everything is about timing. Uh, right place, right time, you know, right person really for the job. So when I was teaching at the Ready Program, uh, this was back in 2004, if I recall correctly. I had a lot more hair. Uh, I was skinnier back then. And <laughs> I was drinking really cheap beer. I didn't have an affinity for tequila uh, because all I could afford was like Montezuma <laughs> at that moment in time. But, um, uh, I was, you know, messing around during a print period and everything, you know, graded. I was caught up to speed with my lesson plans and everything. So I hopped on the old internet and on the Roto World, and I was reading baseball notes because uh, I was prepping for my fantasy baseball draft at that time. And I stumbled across a column by Matthew Berry. And, you know, Matthew Berry was a, a struggling, failed Hollywood writer. If you saw the last Crocodile Dundee movie, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, and, and Barry, you know, I never really read any of his stuff, but for some reason I felt compelled to just kind of skim through this very long article about fantasy baseball stuff. And at the bottom of it, in the footer, it said, hey, I'm starting this community on Yahoo Groups. Now, Yahoo Groups is deceased. It's no longer in existence. But it was kind of like a precursor to Reddit in a way. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go check this out. And I'm like, oh, there's a community. Oh, there are people just like me talking about fantasy baseball, talking about fantasy football. Oh, they have questions. Oh, you know what? I have opinions about this. So I started jumping in and just, you know, shooting off opinions about this player, that player, the other player, like Raul Montesquieu and whoever else at that moment in time. And I I get a note uh, from Barry, the email, and he's just like, hey, I, I like some of your responses. Can you write? And I said, can I write? I went to the University of Illinois. I was a history major. All I did was go to the bars, read books, and write. <laughs> that was it. So he goes, hey, can you submit something? I'm going to start a website. I can't pay you. I'm like, sure. So I started doing this on the side. The website blew up. 
Um, you know, I climbed the, the ladder there. I was senior editor for a while. Uh, eventually, the website, talentofmissroto.com, got sold off to ESPN. Barry went his way. I went my way to Yahoo Sports. And the rest was history until Yahoo Sports and I parted ways in December, and now I'm out on my own. So yeah. that's essentially it in a nutshell, man. Uh, the reason why I ruined your fantasy teams and blooded your brackets, pin the blame on one, Matthew Barry. <laughs> that had to be an interesting time. That I mean, I know it was after the dot-com boom, but... Like that that's when it became the internet. I I remember I went to college Brad in 2005 and I still didn't have a laptop yet, right? Like I yep. we weren't even yep. thinking about iPhones or anything like that. Um what was it like to be in on the ground floor where this fantasy industry really blew up right as you were getting into it? Yeah, again, it's it's all about timing. Uh you know, that's uh more than half the battle as GI Joe would say, and you know, for me you know, really was broadband. The advent of broadband internet connections, and that came around 2000, 2001, to civilized areas. <laughs> like rural communities uh, still struggled with it, but in, in areas like in Champaign, Illinois, and Urbana, of course, you know, with the University of Illinois there being at the forefront of technology, uh, we got it very early. And, and I think that really expanded the internet very quickly and just, uh, you know, blew it up to this whole nother level. So as a result, you know, I remember you know, doing fantasy football leagues and NBA fantasy leagues uh, by by hand. You know, I would get uh, the sporting news and they would have like their, their stat section would come out on Mondays and I'd have to go in and count everything by hand and, and track everybody's numbers. And then like the mid-90s when you got like a 28-day connection, you're like, oh my God, this is a miracle. This is the greatest thing ever. What a godsend. It would take you an eternity on a dial-up but at least the numbers would update in a timely fashion and you could cut down your time. And, you know, I pick up the phone and call my league mates to be like, here are the results. Um, you know, and, and at that point I could just send them the email. And then with broadband, it unlocked everything because it was lightning speed at that juncture and just really expedited the process as a whole. So that is what really fueled fantasy. And for me, that was just, again, the perfect confluence of technology uh, advancing the interest in fantasy sports and then having some of these commissioner softwares that existed. And then of course that comes from that people want opinions. They have a desire for content. And if you know anything, you know, Jeremy, we're in the same fantasy football league together. Uh, people who play fantasy, people who bet on sports, all that stuff, they are voracious consumers of content and it's engaging stuff. So it's just self-serving and it's been this wonderful uh, you know, profitable cycle for me over these years, and I owe everything just again to timing. Yeah, and uh, Brad, I, I just personally, um, yeah, we are in a fantasy league together. I appreciate you bringing me into that, but I know fantasy football is like the main one. But you brought up baseball, kind of as a start. I am obsessed yeah. with fantasy baseball. Like, I just feel like it's <laughs> such a grind that a lot of people don't. It's hard to get a league of twelve guys who are invested as much as anybody else in it. But if you do find a league, man, it can be, it can be a, a blast. Cause I do think like building a baseball team, right? Like there's something about yep. that. I, I don't know. I've always been drawn to that. So I know you've been the football guy, but what is fantasy baseball meant to you? Cause you're talking about that personally. Yeah. Look, that was uh, the very first fantasy sport that I played. Uh, uh, you know, I mentioned Raul Mondesi. He was my very first draft pick back in like 1995. I actually played in a fantasy baseball league with the ultra-famous Roth factor, Steve Roth. So for you, know, for you Illini fans out there, maybe the greatest walk-on of all time in Illinois history, Steve Roth, uh, back in the early 90s, some of those Ludo days, 
So we, you know, we play in a, in a league. It's highly competitive. I'm in an NL-only league with him. Wow. And if, if, you know, if you do mixed leagues with fantasy, that's child's play, bro. <laughs> you get in an NL-only, you get in an AL-only league, I mean, you're looking at guys that you're just hoping to get 150 get back and maybe pop 12 homers. Right. And that could be the difference of you finishing in fifth or first. That is bananas. And you got to be on top of things day in and day out, especially with closers, because they fail all the damn time. And you're just, you're, you know, you're on bended knee and you're, you know, looking at the baseball guy saying, please, uh, Brad Hand, don't blow another save. I don't want you as a setup guy. I need you to get that critical S in the box score so I can be competitive in my league. It's ridiculous, uh, but you're right. It, it's a labor of love. Uh, it is uh, certainly something that that's uh, worker productivity at really an exponential rate. So, you know, look, if, if you have an addictive personality, uh, I wouldn't recommend getting in a baseball fantasy league. But then again, you probably should at least try it once before you die. Well, well Brad, uh, Yahoo's been at the forefront of fantasy for a long time. I think they've had one of the better products, and you played a big role in that. I know you're no longer there, but how, how do you kind of look back at, what, 14, 15 years there? What, what are you kind of most proud of? Yeah, 14 years, believe it or not. Well, there are a few things I'm very proud of. Uh, you know, expanding our platforms and games and tweaking them, you know, our engineers and product development teams back in the day and the ones that are currently still in place. These are some of the best in the business. They're absolute geniuses at what they do, far smarter than uh, the adults like me who just spew opinions in front of a camera or behind a screen on a keyboard. Uh, but I think our, our greatest accomplishment, two things for me when I was there, uh, A, Fantasy Football Live. We were the first ever live streaming sports show not fantasy sports show that started in 2006 i used to cut those shows at will on campus uh with an illinois football backdrop believe it or not um uh, and i never missed a show i had a cal ripkin streak of uh, 14 years through sicknesses through hangovers through the most ridiculous you know storms getting out to california and I never missed one. I'm very proud of that streak and building that audience and winning so many awards and with it being so profitable for the company. I was at the ground floor and I really helped, uh, you know, become almost a co-producer for it and massage it. Uh, the second thing I'm really proud of uh, is Tony Brackett Live. Uh, it was a, an idea that I hatched with uh, executive producer Alan Springer in 2008. Uh, we ended up selling it to Southwest sight unseen. I remember for like $50,000 that year, we couldn't, couldn't believe that somebody was going to give us money for this show. We did on Selection Sunday, and that show blossomed and grew. And uh, I got a chance to not only play analyst on the show, I hosted it a couple of times. God, I love that. There, there was just nothing better than Selection Sunday. And I got to work with one of my true childhood heroes, a guy that I idolized as a kid, um, you know, high school kid in Champaign, visiting my, my grandparents, um, in Champaign during the summers when I lived in Texas, uh, watching the Prairie State games. I watched Stephen Bardo. I love Stephen Bardo. Stephen Bardo was my guy. I'd go to the bars, go to Cam CEOs, and I was a student at Parkland and, and eventually at uh, Illinois. I would come back from the bars, and I would hear Steve's voice because he'd be doing Gonzaga games late at night or UNLV games with Keon Clark all the time. So Steve has always been a constant in my life, and the fact that I was able to bring him in and hire him myself at Yahoo Sports and be able to work alongside him was one of the greatest thrills of my career. And to call him a friend, it's uh, it's just everlasting, man. I, I absolutely adore the man, and and uh, yeah, I'm really proud of of that and the you know multiple achievements that we accumulated over the years. Brad, you can say whatever you want on this, but uh, what was the end like for you? Um, and if you want to, like, what reasons were you given? 
not really. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where when you are a company like Yahoo and you are acquired by a major media company, and in this case, Verizon, things change. Philosophies yeah. change. Viewpoints change. And, and when you get people that come in at an administrative level, they want to put their own people in certain positions. I, I felt like I couldn't achieve my job anymore. Um, the most decorated fantasy sports writer in history. Uh, I've won nine Writer of the Year awards across football, across college sports. You know, I'm the most accurate bracketologist among the, micro, the macro sites. You know, I'm number 20 according to the bracket matrix over the last five years. Uh, Lenardi's at 55, and Palm is like, I don't know, like 90-something. You know, I, I host the shows. I, I created with my, my staff. We, you know, I hired a ton of people that are still there right now. My fingerprints are all over Yahoo Sports. But, unfortunately, decision makers in place did not value me. And at the end of the day, uh, we just decided to go our separate ways. So, it was insulting. Um, it was unfortunate at the time, but business is business, and you know I, I have to respect the decision. And right now, uh, I'm free, independent, loose, and I'm going to be doing some big things in the space. So watch out. That's awesome. It's it's their loss, Brad, and, and we we know that because uh, I mean the one thing is is the versatility, Brad, of being able to write and turn a phrase in that way, but also to do it on camera, to do it on radio, and, and I would imagine that's one thing you picked up pretty quickly in this business that a lot of people, uh, as I went through journalism class and print editorial, I, I think a lot of people like tried to stave that off of like, no, I'm just a writer. You got to be a little bit of everything. And, and, and you seem yep. even more comfortable sometimes in front of a camera than behind a keyboard. Yeah, exactly. Look, uh, the writing's not easy. You know, it is, uh, it's labor intensive. Um, you're constantly trying to come up with, God, how am I going to even just start this column? You know, what's a good hook? What, how am I going to dig in my nails with the reader to get them to continue to read through the rest of this post? So, you know, that is a constant struggle for any writer out there is that creative process. You know, we all can't be Stephen King and just have all of these stories in our minds and, and you know, apply it to paper just brilliantly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you, you have to be a jack of all trades. You, you hit it right on the head. In, in this day and age, you've got to be able to voice your opinion cogently and excitedly behind a microphone in front of a camera and also, you know, present something that's going to be compelling for the reader to keep them engaged, um, you know, on the screen. So, you know, that portion, unfortunately, is starting to die, the written portion just the way that people are consuming information and the advances in technology, you know, it's video emphasis right now with cell phone technology and 5G and everything else. So it's even more paramount to get yourself comfortable if you want to enter this profession to speak in front of a camera and to do it with enthusiasm. And you even look at some places like at ESPN or CBS in some of these major networks, it is, it's astonishing to me that some people are not enthusiastic about what they do because these jobs are limited. Mm -hmm. It's very, very competitive, as you know. And if you don't love what you do, get out and put somebody else in there that does. Yeah. I was going to ask you, Brad, um, you know, obviously the changes of media, especially social media being a part of this, people just kind of lambast it. But how has sports media, in your opinion, changed for the better since you got in here? Yeah, I mean, social media, there's a give and take, right? There's, there's pluses to it, there's minuses to it. Uh, I would say the way that sports media has changed, I, I love interacting with my audience on Twitter. You know, I've got over 130,000 followers, and, you know, I address the trolls. What, what people have to understand is, you know, there's only, I've only exercised a block button, you know, maybe a dozen times 
in the history of, of Twitter in my audience. Somebody has to come at you with the most ridiculous uh, viewpoint that just crosses a line. You know, uh, I mean, I've had death threats before over fantasy advice uh, back in the day, believe it or not, around Mark Teixeira, of all people. <laughs> but, uh, you know, those get instant blocked. But a lot of times, you know, people disagree with your opinion. Don't take it seriously. It's water off the back. Engage with them. And, you know, you know state your stance, hear them out. And chances are at the end of the day, they're like, oh, I'd really like to get a beer with that guy. You know, and that's a viewpoint you got to have. Uh, you just got to roll with the punches and a lot of this stuff. So I, I think that, you know, having the ability to access people of, of any level of status, I think is an encouraging development in the sports media world. There's downsides too, especially with athletes, um, which is a dark side. But uh, I view that as a positive. I think the, the speed of information is a major positive, particularly in our profession, you want to learn right away, instantaneously, is this guy in or out, you know, and the actives and inactives on an NFL Sunday morning or before a tip or somebody gets traded. And, you know, that provides instant content for us that we can spin off. I guess it could be a downside, too, because we're always on the clock, right? Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I, there are pluses and minuses to this day and age that we live in. But uh, I, I think it's just speed of information being probably at the top of the list of those pluses. What do you think we need to be better at? in sports media or prioritize more? Uh, I think, honestly, with the way that young people, Gen Zs, millennials, to a certain extent, are consuming a less is more approach, uh, I think is absolutely critical for uh, sustainability and within the marketplace. Uh, whether you're a writer, whether you're a video creator, whether you're a podcaster, um, there are a lot of people out there that are insatiable consumers of content but the way that people are programmed uh, through social media, they want things in small chunks. That's why, like Quibi, uh, Steven Spielberg is throwing millions of dollars behind this project for short-form, 10-minute shows and original scripted content. Uh, they're going to be doing some stuff with ESPN on that platform as well. I think that serves uh, the appetite that exists with young people. And I think people that, like you and I, you know, I'm in my early 40s. We have to understand and we always have to evolve our content to play to that younger audience. They want it quick. They want it fast. Uh, they want it engaging. And how can you do that? You have to strike the right chord with them, whether it's in writing, again, um, audio or video. And, and that's something that I'm constantly looking at. And it's good to have, you know, I got middle school age kids in the house. So I, I watch over their shoulder and see how they are consuming information and content out there. And you get some really good ideas because they're the ones. They're going to keep you relevant in the space as the wrinkles start growing on your face. Man, your own focus group. I didn't even think about that for me in like 10 years when my kids are that age. Uh, <laughs> what, what advice uh, would you give young people who want to give in, uh, get into this industry, Brad? You, you did say it. Um, I, I know a lot of people say, man, I'd love to be a sports writer. Well, you better work at it because there's a lot of people who want to do it and there's not a lot of great jobs available. No, I mean, look, I think you mentioned it earlier. Uh, versatility is a number one. Um, you got to have the ability to express opinions uh, coherently on, a, you know, paper, like on a screen as, as a writer, somebody voicing it behind a mic or in front of a camera. Uh, that's one. Uh, number two, you got to hustle. And you're right. You got to put the grind in, you know, never say no at an entry level. So even if somebody approaches you and they're starting some fledgling website, but they're giving you an opportunity to express your opinion, they're giving you a platform. And even if it's, you know, if it's a decent one or even if it's not a decent one, say yes, be a yes man, be a yes woman 
in those situations um, because, you know, you never know where it could lead and you can really cut your teeth in that arena. And the other thing, too, you know, I very early in my career, I, I reached out to a number of radio stations, you know, some of the local level, some of the national level. You can't be afraid to contact people and just say, hey, look, give me a chance. Give me a shot to come on and prove my mettle, prove my worth. And if you're good on air, guess what? They're going to bring you back because, you know, and particularly in radio, they always need that content. And the great thing about podcasting now, it's so cheap to do. You can do it that way and get it out to the masses in your opinion there. So you just you got to have, uh, you know, multiple hands and multiple cookie jars to get your messaging out across all platforms. Uh, but having that versatility, having that ability to express yourself clearly is very, very key. And always say yes to any opportunity that comes that can help you expand your reach with, you know, core audiences to your demo. I love that you said reach out to people, Brad, because a little story, Derek Piper emailed me saying, hey, I, I write for this website. Uh, I, I could talk a lot of basketball recruiting. I'm like, who's this kid? But then I, I, you know, we got him on one time, and the rest is history. Like, it developed a relationship, yeah. and it, it led to that. Like, I think t- too many people are, are afraid of that. Well, I know you're reaching out to a lot of people right now, Brad. Um, what can you tell us about what's next for you, or where you're going? Well, look, uh, I've got my entire leg, one of them, in uh, the pool when it comes to sports betting. It's coming in Illinois. Pritzker allegedly said it's going to happen uh, time for the NCAA tournament, probably at the Rivers Casino, some random shady casino in Alton. <laughs> I think people could go and flock and, and wager legally there, or they just drive over to Indiana and do it as well. But, you know, sports betting, that tidal wave is coming in. Uh, it's going to be a huge boost, I think, to the economy in Illinois, though the economics in terms of the startups and the costs associated with it are rather exorbitant. I thought they could have done a better job, but it's it's expanding state by state. I live in Colorado. It's going to be up and running in this state May 1st uh, with mobile delivery, uh, along with the, the casinos and Blackhawk and Cripple Creek here. So, look, uh, that's the next big wave in sports media is the integration of that kind of content into existing traditional sports platforms. So there is an opportunity there if, if you're looking to get into the business because, there are, uh, trust me, there are very few notable not shady, not 1-900 or Vegas Dave types that exist in the sports betting business. Um, and I think there is an appetite for people with, you know, just honest opinions and transparency uh, that understand sports betting, the lingo, and, and how to educate and deliver that message to the masses. So uh, for me, you know, I've got a brand new podcast in this space it's called Say the Noise. Uh, we just take episode two, to, uh, two. It's live right now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download and listen to your podcast. I'm uh, really excited about it. You know, speaking to that short form, it's 10-minute episodes, five picks per episode almost every single day. We're transparent. We make fun of ourselves. I had a hockey pick in the first episode. Yes. I couldn't name a single hockey player. I don't know jack about the NHL, but I'm like, oh, the Avs, they're winning games. The Red Wings are terrible. I'll take them on the puck line. Of course, I lost that game, uh, and I won all three of my college basketball picks, something I knew about. But uh, we have fun with that, so you know, definitely check that out. So that's uh, out there right now. We're going to expand that as part of a larger podcast network that I'm working with a friend of mine on. And I'm also in uh, the early stages of developing my own website. And we're hoping to have that up sometime this summer. It'll be fantasy, it'll be betting, uh, it'll be DFS and season-long, subscription-based. We're really excited about the upside there. We're trying to recruit some of the biggest names in the business. 
And, um, you know, in this business, what's really important anymore, you know, forget the big companies, own your stuff. And that's something that we're trying to do right now with our couple of projects. We want to give that option to some of the better content creators that are out there and have been taken advantage of by major media companies. So those are the projects I'm really excited about getting off the ground. Maybe I'll have a radio show soon, too. Stay Ooh. tuned for that. And I'm always working on television projects as well. The Fantasy Football Hour, we're going to hopefully be back for Season 5, which is syndicated nationally across regional sports networks during the NFL season. And I'm also working on my own version of Fantasy Football Live uh, that I'm hoping to have out there live Sunday mornings somewhere, maybe on YouTube, maybe it'll live somewhere else digitally, maybe just wrestling. I have no idea. That's down the road. But you know me, Jeremy, uh, I've always got a hot idea percolating in my head. You're always grinding, man. Like, uh, just listen to all that stuff you listen off. I'm like, he's pretty busy. Uh, he's pretty busy doing what he's doing. But, Brad, I always appreciate the grind, man, your your passion for the industry. And, and obviously, you know where this thing is going. So I know it's going to end up really well for you. And it was Yahoo's loss. But uh, we're all rooting for you here in Champaign. I know everyone's proud of you here. That's Illinois grads as well. And um, excited to see where this thing goes, man. But we always appreciate the time. Thanks for sharing everything with us, man. Yeah, my pleasure, dude. And and I'm really excited to see uh, where this Illinois team is going. Who knew, Jeremy, that we'd be a single-digit seed likely in in the NCAA tournament this year? Illinois basketball is relevant again. Rob Lagoyevich is out of jail. (laughs) We're Evan Golden. Look at us. Look at us, Brad. Look at it. It's awesome. (laughs) Brad Evans, you're the goods, man. Appreciate you, brother. All right, great stuff with Brad Evans. Really appreciate him giving uh, some of my time. Looking forward to, to what he's doing in the future. So check him out on Twitter, at Noisy Huevos. He's going to have all that bracketology he's giving away. He's linking every day about his bracket big board, which, again, is one of the most accurate out there. So I, I know everyone looks at Lenardi and reacts to that. Go look at Brad's. Um, he's really, really good at it. And he's not a homer about it, but I think he's got a good idea of where Illinois is at. And once the tournament comes out, he'll help you with some of your picks as well. And I can't wait till all of those uh, team capsules come out. Is Yeah, somebody who what, read actually read a newspaper growing up, all those capsules. You used to save those papers for weeks, man. That, that was your guy because you didn't have the internet to go to or you had to dial up internet. So you had to have these hard copies to kind of go back and forth. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to the next parts of his career, but I have no doubts uh, Brad Evans will be very, very successful. All right, thanks for listening. Uh, We'll try to do more of these as we move forward, some more long-form stuff, because I really enjoy that. Hopefully you enjoyed this as well. Uh, If you have any suggestions of people you'd like to, you can hit me up as well. If you don't, subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Just search on Inquire on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, all those places. Subscribe to us, rate us, review us. And right now, we got a deal going on at uh, Illini Acquire your first month for just $1 VIP access. Boy, we got a lot of stuff going on with Brad Underwood's contract extension. Two huge games this weekend. Big Ten tournament coming up. March Madness. Illinois basketball recruiting. Illinois football recruiting. Spring ball starting up. Had to tell my wife, sorry, March is going to be pretty busy. Uh, but that's good for you guys because you get a lot of content at IlliniInquire.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.